Good morning. You guys could be seated. You guys could be seated. We're going to do some things that are different today as, as the ushers are going to get ready. But just, just grateful. I know that, um, that baptism is going to come up next week. So if you are wanting to be baptized or desire to be baptized, and this is, this is uh, I guess, the level it goes to. If you have, uh, have uh, trusted Jesus Christ personally in your life and you want to go further and you want to say, you know what, I'm all in, baptism is definitely the next step. And we do baptism not because we feel like it or we don't feel like it. We do baptism because that's what Jesus told us to do. And our desire is obedience. Amen? See, sometimes obedience feels like it feels stressful. It feels risky. And that's what Jesus is saying. He wants that to be. Because sometimes we have to get out of ourselves and out of how we feel to step into what God is doing. And sometimes that is the unknown. And it feels unknown. It feels uh, iffy. So if you are wanting to be baptized, please make sure you sign up in the lobby. You can sign up online. And uh, I, I just say, if, if you have not been baptized, get baptized. Get baptized. Bring in all your friends. Bring in all your coworkers or whoever will come to see you, like, express, give an expression of your life dedicated to Christ. Amen? Amen. And if the guys can come forward... We're going to give in our tithes and offerings, and tithes and offerings is a, is a time you can give online. You can give uh, even through text, but it's just a way of uh, just, uh, it's another uh, view of worship to God. It says in uh, Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be taken care of. And that verse has, has a little to do with money and a lot to do with trust. And it's like, God, do I trust you with everything that I have in my life, not just not just our finances, because for some of us, it's easier to give financially than to actually serve and then to know our neighbors and to worship. Sometimes it's easier to release this way. Uh, I, grew up in, uh, I grew up in San Francisco, and I remember being a part of the youth group, and, 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 and it was a pretty wealthy bunch. It was a bunch of uh, kind of um, uh, upper-class Asians, all right? I went to a Chinese church for a while, and then they changed the name, so I was like, I guess I'm no longer going to a Chinese church, right? Uh, but uh, they used to just say, all right, uh, do something with my kids. Here's a lot of money. That's, that's how it uh, took care of it. And, and at the end of the day, we were like, that's cool, but we want you involved in their lives. We want you involved in the kids' lives. Uh, just letting go this way, is, it's, it's all right, but it, it, it's not what God has fully called us to. It, 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 to jump in to what God is doing in your children's lives, in your youth lives. And I pray, you know, as we seek God first in his kingdom and all the dreams and aspirations and the joys that we are looking for fulfillment, I'm telling you, is found in God. And if you don't believe it, just I, I double dog dare you to risk it today. Risk it and say, God, you know what? I'm going to step in in my tithing. I'm going to risk and trust you. I'm going to step into serving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just trust you. I'm going to praise you like you deserve praise. I'm going to trust you with my worship. And, and, I, I, and I will tell you, God will change your life. Everything that you are looking for satisfaction is found in God. And I pray that that be your desire today. We're going to pray. We're going to watch a short baptism video, and we're going to run into the service. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I pray we trust you. Our response to believing in the cross and understanding what you have done is a response of faithfulness and faith, God. Not only just saying, I believe, but there has to be an allegiance, a move of faithfulness, Lord God. And I pray that be our desire today as we give and as we live and as we pursue you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Please watch this short video.
Baptism is symbolic of what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Being lowered in the water represents our old life dying. Just like Jesus was dead and buried, who we were and what we've done is dead. Our past and future sins are forgiven. When we are raised out of the water, we are reminded our new life is made possible because of Jesus' resurrection. We are a new creation. Today, we celebrate as people take their next step and tell the world how Jesus has brought them from death to life. We celebrate because they have a new life in Jesus. They have been made brand new. They are forgiven. They are a new creation. All right, that is baptism. I love it. Good morning and welcome to Hill City. My name is John. And uh, just glad that you guys are here. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Romans 12. We celebrate the Word of God. I'm going to do it again because that was like halfway celebration of the Word of God. But please turn to Romans 12. We celebrate the Word of God because we believe it reveals Jesus and Jesus changes our lives. And I, I hope that you, man, that that's infectious, that it gets into us. And what I'm doing today, I want to continue the conversation that we had last week. And, and, and it, was about the, it was about the church that we want to be, or I would say we need to be. And a, a church that truly encounters Jesus, that it, there's, a, it, there's a moment where we, we, we sense and we, we long for the presence of God. Because when the presence of God comes into a place, you don't need to say much. You just know that God's here. You know that he's changing lives. But when the presence of God is not with us, then it's just it's another service. It's another, you, you've, you've come here, but you haven't gotten what God has prepared for you. But guess what? The presence of God is not brought by the worship team. And it's not brought by me or uh, this, that, and the other thing. It's brought by us. We are the body of Christ. And I'm going to continue that message, but we are the body of Christ. And I was telling our leadership today that, you know, do you know that you are containers of God? That you bring the presence of God here. And, if, and, 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 and here, I'll, go into, I'll jump into sin a little bit. But just think about this. When, when we sin personally in our addiction or whatever we're doing, we think it doesn't affect. I, I, sometimes people think, oh, my sin doesn't affect Mark. My sin doesn't affect Kyle. It's not going to affect Alan. But according to the Bible, you're dead wrong. It says a little yeast unleavens the whole bread. That means what you're doing is you're stopping the presence of God from coming here because God cannot be around sin like that. And it, there has to be forgiveness and repentance. So when we say, oh, that's just my, I'm just doing my thing, that, that's not true. When we are addicted, uh, this, uh, think about this, when a, um, when a father is addicted to pornography, it affects the whole family. Because you stop the presence of God from moving in. You're stopping. Your sin is going to the next generation. It's affecting your, uh, your marriage with your wife and your view of sexuality. So we're saying, oh, that's just me. I'm telling you it's not. I'm telling you it's not. When we say my worship won't affect their worship, it's, it's their personal thing with God. I'm telling you in the same way, when we don't bring in our part as the body of Christ and we don't move in worship, we can stop the move of God for someone else right next to us that needs the move of God. They need to, to understand and to experience God's love that day. 
And when we hold back, I'm telling you, we could stop the flow of God in their life. There could be someone in here that could be say, this is my last time I'm stepping into church. And if God does not show up and come through, then I'm done. And there's people that walk in here like that. And we can say, nah, nah it's okay. It's, it's their relationship with God. I'm telling you. You have to carry that in too. We carry in that conviction, believing and knowing that we're all part of the whole. Doesn't that say it everywhere in the body of Christ? Doesn't it say from the very beginning that the sins of Adam affects us today? The sins, one man's sin, the king, a sin of David affected the whole kingdom. And I want to tell you, the, the sin that we live in and the apathy that we have does not only affect our heart, it affects our family and affects past well, future generations if we don't stop it. At some point, we got to put our foot down and say, my life matters to God. What I'm doing matters. My sin matters. My righteousness from Christ matters. My view of God matters. And it does. You see, it matters to your neighbor. When we say, someone else will reach my neighbor. No, God has placed you there. And so this is the message that I want to bring to you in Romans 12. And it starts with this, ver this one word. It's the word, therefore. Say, therefore. Therefore what? What is Paul talking about, therefore? In Romans 12, so before Romans 12, verse from Romans chapter 1 to Romans chapter 11, it's all full. It's all talking about the gospel of Jesus, right? It's talking about God and sin and forgiveness and redemption. It's talking about Jesus and the cross and the uh, promise and the fulfillment. And therefore, Paul is saying, and he moves on from 12 to 16, he's just talking about what is the therefore. He's saying, therefore, if you believe what I'm saying, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in the Christian truth, in the good news, you will live like this. And he, and he starts it off in verse 12, I mean chapter 12. And so this is the normal Christian life. And it starts in three areas, the heart, the mind, and the body. And we're going to run into that. Number one, the heart of the gospel. Romans 12, 1 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done and God's love for us, God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what, what does it say up there? A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Giving your bodies as a, offering your bodies as a living sacrifice is your true and proper worship. Your true. Now, what does this living sacrifice, if that is the heart of Christianity, what is the living sacrifice? What does that all mean? It sounds like an oxymoron, a living sacrifice, right? It's like jumbo shrimp, right? Or plastic glasses or act naturally, right? All of those, it, it's, it's an oxymoron. But in this cultural context, sacrifices were normal, they were totally normal. Animal sacrifices were made to appease God or to pay God back. Or if you needed a blessing, you would kill an animal and say, God, look what I did for you. Now you owe me something, right? The life, a life given as a payment or a payoff for sin or debt. And this idea of sacrifice was to get even with God. So just think, I just want you to think with me here. Most of the time, back then, in, in the ancient Roman, Greek, and Jewish culture, when someone would sacrifice an animal, it was their way to say, I'm getting right with God, right? I'm going to get right with God. We're even. Actually, we're going to be even. I ain't going to sacrifice animal. You're going to have to forgive me because I did such a good thing, right? And, and so that's the thought of sacrifice. It, and, and it's, I do this, and God does that. 
I give you this, and God gives me that. It's a give and take, and I do. It's, a, it's an exchange. It's more of a contract kind of faith of sacrifice. But the living sacrifice is categorically different. See, it's based on a give and give. It's not a give and take. It's a give and give. In view of God's great mercy, Paul writes in that first verse, in view of the cross, in view of the gift of Jesus, I offer my life. I offer my life as a living sacrifice. This is my proper worship to God. This is my worship. And this, this, there's no paying God back. Just think about this. Some of us, we think, oh, I'm at church. I'm paying you back. I'm, I'm checking in, God. So you got to bless my, my life this week. Like, like you could pay God back. I had a conversation uh, I, or, or someone said maybe out loud like, um, um, you know what? Why, why, was, why, do I, why is there sin? Why is wrath so heavy? Because I've been good with my life. Like, like we can pay God back. When there's any thought in your mind of paying God back, that is a false thought. So your life is even worth the life of the Son of God ever, even close, even minuscule. Never can we pay God back. Never can we give and take with God. That doesn't even make sense, right? Oh, I'm going to give in. The guy who made billions of galaxies. Do you know there's billions of galaxies with billions of stars? That should just blow your mind, right? There's, and they're beautiful, all the beautiful colors, and there's billions of them. There's not like a thousand galaxies. We only know of just a couple, but we can see there's billions out there. And we look out there and we say, all right, God, let's make a deal. I'm going to give you my, I'm going to sing songs to you. You owe me now. How ridiculous is that? That thought is ridiculous, but that is our thought, right? Is That's our thought. Oh, I, 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 I said, God, forgive me. I've been good this week. Why aren't you blessing my life? Like we're making deals with God. We don't make deals with God, ever. We don't ever make deals with God. It's not a give and take. It's not a God you owe me. It's a give and give because there's no paying God back. No, this is worship. You give to give, willful and cheerful offering to God. Our bodies, not only our belief, not only our allegiance, not only our, our Christian wardrobe, but our bodies as our physical self, our work. What you do at your work is an offering to God. What you produce with your hands is an offering to God. What you do daily, it's not a one-time deal. It's a living it out. Totally different from the old school thought of sacrifice. Oh, I one-time deal, kill this animal, now I'm even with God. And, and Paul's like, that's, that's crazy. Your mind is insane, right? You really, you're like, you really think you're worth that much, you know? God's, it's like, no, you see what God has done for you. You get a proper view of Jesus, and you're like, man, I owe you everything as a living sacrifice. Yet the American culture moves in direct opposition with Christian culture. It does. And we get lost in it sometimes. American culture moves this way, and Christian culture, it goes in direct opposition. And this is what I mean. American culture is based on my will. Like, it, it has a lot of, like, frontierism. Like, I'm going to go and explore and do my thing, and, and it's going to be incredible. It's about my will, my rights, and my dreams, right? And the Christian culture chooses your will, God, your plan, and your kingdom, putting death to the thought, uh, you belong to you. 
right? And you know what's best for you. And putting death to that thought and rather saying, God, I give it to you. I trust you with my life. I accept whatever you put me through. You have the controls of my life. And for many of us and for many Americans, when they hear something like that, it sounds like death. No way. No way am I giving up control. But Jesus, and, 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 and we want to see it to believe it. And Jesus says, nah, I'm not going to, I don't work that way. You got to believe it to see it. For those new to Jesus, this is the heart of Christianity. If you want to know how to start in your, your path to walk with Christ, it starts with viewing in view of God's mercy, in view of the cross, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Number two, number two, the mind of the gospel. And this is deep, and I, I want us to get this. This is really, really important for me. I almost used this as point three because it was so good. But I was like, all right, I'm going to stay in my verses. But I, this, is, uh, this is it, the mind of the gospel. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Because this world has patterns, right? Our culture has patterns. It says you need this, you need that, don't do this, don't do that. This is cool, this is not, right? It has patterns. But it says, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of our mind, of your mind, changing the way you think. It's like a washing board to, to, to renew it, right? You, sometimes you, 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 you stain like a blanket and you got to renew it. You stain like a towel, you got to renew it. You got to wash it, you got to wash it out. And, 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 it's, and, and Paul's saying you got to change the way you think. Change the way you think about God. Change the way you think about faith and change the way you, you think about your life. Despite what you may believe, despite what you may believe today, and you might, you might say, I don't believe that, John. But sometimes we live like, we, we say we don't believe it, but we live like we do, right? Despite what you may believe, God is not after your begrudging obedience. God is not after your begrudging obedience. You think God is up there, you better obey or else. And sometimes that's, that's, what, that's what everyone else in the world thinks that's what Christianity is about. And then you ask a Christian who, did, who, does, who has not studied the word, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, God's going to force you to worship him. Heaven is not full of people that are forced to worship God. Heaven is full of people who long to worship God. All right? It's a very different thought. See, God is not after our begrudging obedience. He's not after a half-hearted worship or tedious prayer like anyone wants that. Like, like your wife wants it when you, maybe they do, when you're like, oh, do I look nice? Uh-huh. And it's a total lie, you know? Your hair is a little messed up. You know, uh, you don't say that, but you, like anyone really wants fake appreciation. Like, fantastic, right? Uh, like anyone really desires participation ribbons. We, you, you don't get a participation ribbon for Christianity. I'm telling you, God doesn't want your, you did, you, fantastic God, I showed up and you, you pretty cool. I, I sang some songs and stuff and it was cool. No, God is not after our begrudging obedience. See, it's like, it's like, have you ever told when you, if you have more than one kid, they fight, all right? That's just how it rolls, all right? And it's like telling one kid, say sorry. It's like, Sorry but I hope you fall on your face and bleed. Then I'm going to go to your room, you know? Do you think God desires from us, like, that sort of worship? Worship, all right, okay. Uh, I like you, Jesus, right? Pray, okay, I better pray because that's what good Christians do. Do you think God longs for our begrudging 
obedience, you don't even like begrudging praise, right? Like you're like, that's fake, right? You, you hate it. You think God desires that from us? See, God is, and I want us to hear this, God is after your joy for his glory. God is after your joy. You're like, well, I thought we were, it wasn't, it, no, 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 no. God is after your joy. God is after your joy. I, th I thought God wasn't about me. I'm telling you, I'm, I, this, this has really shaped my theology. God is after your joy for his glory. And, and, and I want to say it this way. God is most glorified when you're most satisfied in him. Meaning when you are so satisfied in God, your life cannot stop glorifying God. You think God is trying to make you do something? No. God is trying to lead you in a way so you, that you would find the satisfaction in God, that you would be so joyful that the life that you live would honor God in su at such a different level. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. In Psalm 1611 it says, You make known the paths of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand is pleasure forevermore. God is after your joy, your fullness, and your pleasure. And you're like, what? That doesn't, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't fit. And let me describe that to you. In a, uh, Pastor John Piper writes this, there is no conflict between your happiness and God's glory, but his glory shines in your happiness when your happiness is in him. And since God is the source of your greatest happiness, and since he is the greatest treasure in this world, and since his glory is the most satisfying gift he can possibly give us, therefore, it is the kindness, most loving thing that he could possibly do to reveal himself and magnify himself and vindicate himself for our, our everlasting enjoyment. And I know this is thick theology. This is a thick thing to think about, meaning... The more I can find my joy in God, the more I will fulfill my purpose for existing, and the more God will be glorified. That's the deep thought. The more I can find my joy in God, the more I will be fulfilled in the purpose of my existence, and the more God will be glorified. So sometimes God puts us through hardship, and God can even be glorified in that because we're not fulfilling our purpose and we're not finding our joy. And sometimes God puts us in hardship and you're like, why God? Because he sees the, the longer road for you. And we have to trust in that. When we walk with God, the more satisfied I will be and the more glorified God will be. Yet when God is not our joy, and, 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 and listen up, many of us, God is not our joy. Many times God is not my joy. God is my job. It's really hard to be a professional Christian. I'm just saying, because I don't know the boundaries of my love for God and my just, my work, right? I'm, I'm a professional Christian. I professionally study the Bible. It's the weirdest thing I've ever done, right? Because I can't really figure out the boundaries of where it's my longing for God or my longing to do the job better. Hopefully it's both, right? But God is, when, when we're not after, when we, God is not our joy, and we don't believe he knows better, and he has better, and he is better, everything we do is begrudging. It's hard. It's hard work. If you feel like your faith is hard and hard work and it's frustrating, maybe we got to rethink what we think about Jesus. It's like my kids cleaning their room. You say, clean your room. And they're like, fine. And you're like, <sighs> you know, go. Yeah. But it's 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 frustrating to them because it's a have to and not a want to. They don't see a bigger picture, right? 
And so we must renew our minds. Say, renew your mind. Change the way you're thinking. And I want to think about it this way. When Jesus says the word repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, many people imagine Jesus, right? He would Jesus on a street corner, maybe on a soapbox, right? He's saying, you better change. You better repent. You better try harder. You better do better. You better stop sinning. But this kind of change never works, right? Because it doesn't change the heart. It might change the outside and, oh, it looks like it. But it doesn't change the heart. This kind of change never works long term. Try telling someone, you better stop worrying. Julie, just stop worrying. Stop it. Stop worrying. I'm telling you, stop worrying, right? Stop complaining, Stop looking at things negative. Does that actually change anything? For someone to yell at you to stop doing this, try harder, stop being greedy, stop lusting, that doesn't change anything. It's, and this is not what Jesus meant when he says, repent. He's not preaching behavioral modification or positive peer, peer pressure. Just say, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Then what happens when you can't? What happens when you fail? What happens when you stumble? When, what happens when you continually be addicted? What happens when you look at your life and you're not the person that you thought you could be? And you're saying, am I failing here? Am I failing? And then, and then you look at the world like in this way. And you begin to think, I did church. And it got me nowhere. I tried to be nice. I tried to change. But it doesn't work, John. Just maybe... We got change all wrong. Maybe we got what Jesus is saying to us all wrong. Because the word repentance in the Greek is the word matineo, which means, literally means change your mind. Change your mind. To look again. Change the way you think. In church people, they're wanting to change their behaviors like Jesus, but Jesus is asking us to change the way we think like him. It's totally different. And when Jesus says, repent, he's saying, look again. Look again. As a teacher, you want, you, you, you want your students to change the way they think, right, Mark? Not just, to change, not just to get the right answer at the end. You want them to think it through. You want them to understand why they got that answer instead of copying someone like, I got the right answer. Some of us, we want to be just right answer question, uh, Christians instead of understanding why we got to this place. And I'm trying to but I give you the core of what Paul is saying. you got to change your heart. you got to change your mind. Change the way you think. And, and so when Jesus says repent, he's saying, look again. Look at what? Look at me again. Look at God again. Look at faith again. Look at your life again. There's something that you're missing. Look deeper. There's a bigger picture for your life. I know you can't see it in the moment, but you got to trust me on this. Look to me because repentance is realization. And that's a point. Repentance is realization. It's not just feeling sorry. It's not feeling bad. It's not like, oh, my sin. No, it's realizing, man, this sin is going to destroy me. It's not going to hurt God. God can, God can do what he wants, but it's going to destroy me. Repentance is realization about who God is and who we are, that we can't do it, complete ourselves, fulfill ourselves, save ourselves. That's why Jesus had to come on our behalf. And if you've been a Christian a long time, we have forgotten how to repent sometimes. And that he took our place and he took our sin and he took our sickness and he took our punishment, restoring us back to God. And that's the good news. And only when we truly realize how good this news is, 
is when true repentance begins to flow like joy out of your life. And you long to repent and think again and get right with God because you understand the fullness of your life and your joy is found in that. So I want you to look at Christianity again. I want you to understand God is after your joy for his glory. Number three, and this is our final point, the body of the gospel. Romans 12, 4 to 8 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the other. We have different gifts according to the grace of God given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If you, some of you, if your gift is teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, show mercy cheerfully. See, Paul is saying we are not all the same. We are not all the same. And this is not the John show. This is not the John O show here. You did not come just to listen to my gift. We are here to stir up the body of Christ using your gifts for the glory of God, for his purpose, and for your joy. What do you mean for my joy? Yeah, when you are in working, when you are working in, in how you are built, in your purpose, there is so much joy added to your life. When you're a part of a team and you're, you're hitting your goals and people are getting saved in this place and, find, and, and experiencing Christ and you know you're part of it, man, there's a joy that starts to begin to build. Have you ever helped someone and you're like, man, I was made for that? And, you, and joy begins to build. It wasn't work for you. In that moment, it was like, oh, that was beautiful. I was with some of these guys and we were packing up furniture at the American into an American furniture warehouse truck and it was awesome. It was so fun. I was like, why is this fun? It's because we're moving towards a purpose to meet a need. And you wouldn't understand. You say, oh, that's work. I'm telling you, you missed out. You missed out when we serve the homeless. You miss out when you, when you know there's a purpose in your life and you're not doing it. And you're saying, oh, then we start, oh, that's, uh, that's not what I want to do. We make excuses for that. Listen, if this room was full of just John O's, it would be horrible, right? And really Korean in here, right? It'd be awful. It'd be a Korean church. And I don't even speak Korean well. But thank God for our differences, our age, our experiences, our giftings, our talents, our passions, and our insights. We are many but one. We're like Voltron. Anyone like Voltron? This was like the first toy I ever had. Then I forgot it in Korea. I didn't bring it over to the United States. What a bummer. <laughs> I remember getting it for Christmas, and now no Voltron. I just look. I said, I remember you when I was a child. But there's many pieces that make up a body. And you were all placed together here by God. You are not a mistake in this room. I'm telling you, you might not even be a Christian, but God has you here on purpose. I don't care what you think. You're like, that's bogus, John. No, I'm telling you, God has you here for a purpose. And you can feel a sense of something urging you. And I, I believe that's the presence of God even in you. It's, you're not here by happenstance. God has you 
each of us here has something that someone else doesn't have. Just because you don't speak or sing doesn't mean, Jack, God has you here. He knows what you're doing. He knows what he's doing. And there's some things only you can do. I'm going to say that again. There are some things only you can do. There's some things, CJ, only you can do, sir. That, and, and you can affect, only you can lead, people only you can reach. There are people in your life I will never be able to reach. They will never step into this place, ever. But they will step into your life. And you are called to them too. You make us better. We need you. We need you singles. If you're single, we need you in this place. We need your perspective. We need your way of worshiping God. We need you married. We need you young children. We need you youth. We need you seniors. We need your passion, your view of things, your wisdom, your experience, your age. We need your race. We need your life station. We need your experience. Whatever your background, we need you. Yes, we need you. And the more we accept that, the more we work together, the more we honor one another, and the more everyone gets to use their skills, gifts, and talents, the stronger and more exciting and more effective Hill City Church becomes, and the move of God becomes. Why? Why? To bring the truth and the love of God to those far from Him. That's our why. To bring the truth and love of God from those far from him, to those who are hurting, to those who are in need, those who need hope, those who need God's salvation, those who need family from Thornton all the way to Ethiopia, to Haiti, to wherever we extend to, we are pushing the mission of God and that's how the mission of God gets done. And everything gets better, you matter to God. The other day I was on the uh, Nextdoor app. Anyone ever been on the Nextdoor app? It's called the complaining app of why someone walked through your neighborhood, right? I saw these people. I didn't know them. They walked through my neighborhood. But I have them on video. I'm like, the person that's a freak is you. I don't want to say it. You're the crazy one, pointing out how everyone else is crazy. That's how, cra that's how we can get. When we trap ourselves in our little bubble, we point at everyone else and look how crazy they are. And everyone else is like, you're the crazy one. You're the one sitting at home petting your 10 cats, right? I'm just telling you, but I, this is something great I saw. There was a woman on the app, and then she said, I'm having knee surgery, and I need someone to help me out. And then I was just, I was, I was going to respond, but someone at our church already responded, too. I saw Pam Richards' name there. It's like, and this person was like, uh, I, will, I can help you for this amount of money. I can help you for this amount of money. And then Pam's like, I can help you for nothing. I was like, right on. I don't know if you've ever got to help that person or not. A lot of people reach out to her. But I, that's the, that's the body of Christ. It's saying, you know what? I see a need, and I have the gift of mercy and the gift of love, and I push, I put myself out there to meet a need. And that's beautiful. And as we close today, let's stand. Let's stand. I know some people are like, I'm still checking things out, John. I've been hurt in the past. I've been, I've been to church and I've been hurt in the past and Christians hurt me in the past. And I want to say something out of love to you who feel this way today. And uh, I'm going to say something tough. I'm going to say this. If you've been hurt by church in the past or by Christians, welcome to the club, man. Welcome to the club. That's, man, it, it, that, that, we've all been there. We've all been hurt in church and in life. If you've never been hurt in life, then you've never loved and you never risked. You've lived in safety. 
and it's so God, and God calls us to love and risk. Or been a part of a family. If you've ever been part of a family, you've been hurt, right? Yeah, it's true. And that's true about a church family. But instead of disparaging and instead of pushing yourself away, why not say I'm part of the family? I'm a part of this church family, and I guess I better stop pushing away and help and take part, and I better stop complaining and be a good member of the family. I just wash the dishes, man. Sometimes when your family's like yelling at each other, I just sit there and wash the dishes. <laughs> I, try, I just try to do my part because they're crazy. I know their family. Family's crazy. My family's nuts, man. Sometimes I'm just like, all right, all right. This explains to me why I'm crazy, <laughs> right? When you think everyone else is crazy, you're probably crazy, right? When every, everything else is wrong in the world, we better be introspective, right? We better look inside. This is the normal Christian life, a heart of a living sacrifice, a mind that thinks like Christ, and a body that works as one for his mission and his glory. And guess what? You will find so much joy if you would just risk and enter in and just say, you know what, I'm gonna put myself out there. You will find so much joy as we trust God. And, and I wanna say this, man, you've held back. How much joy has fulfilled your life? How satisfied are you now? And I wanna ask you, if you're not satisfied, I'm telling you, the fullness, you are most, you are, God is most glorified when you're most satisfied in him. God wants you so full of joy, so full of life, if you would just trust him. If you would just trust him, please. Today, many people are in here and they think like, man, I have nothing to offer. And I wanna say that's a total lie. You have things inside your life that no one else has. You have strength, you have experiences, talents that no one else has. And people right next to you here today need you, right here. You don't know what people are going through in this room, and they need you. And sometimes we're so focused on what I need, we can't see a little higher with a different view and saying, I wonder how many people feel like me right now. And if they feel like me, I wonder how I can meet that need too. That's just a different way of thinking. Others, we feel disqualified due to our history, due to our hurt, and due to being defeated in the past. And I wanna tell you today, that's why we have the gospel. Because we cannot win our own, but God sent his only son to love us, to defeat sin, man, that it had no more power over us. And so in Christ, man, we are righteous. In Christ, we are our are, are sons and daughters. You are accepted in Christ. And let it start there. Let it start there. And, and otherwise, your enemy is going to try to keep you at bay. So today I want to say one last word before we get into worship. Repent means to think again, change your ways, look at Jesus again. And I pray God breaks your walls down and calls you to himself and this family. Don't let fear and apathy keep you from your greatest joy that God has for you. Don't let your pride hold you down. Start in view of God's mercies, offering your life as a living sacrifice, your proper act and gift of worship and with that in mind let's worship God and let's worship him with our whole heart
Raise our voice a little more. Come on. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence. Lord, oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Comfort this place and fill the Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, We just ask that you would meet us here. Come meet us face to face, God. We're here to meet with you, Lord. Meet with us today, Lord Jesus.
never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're Specifically, say thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for my job. Thank you, God, for our home. God, I thank you for the life in my body. I thank you for the breath I breathe today, God. And it's all because of you. It's all because of the goodness of you, God, that I stand today. Not for any other reason, God, but because it was your plan. God, we trust you. God, you have good things for those who love you, God. God, those who are called according to what you have purpose for their life. And you have called each of us, God, to fulfill a purpose. Each and every one of us has a different purpose, God. But when we come together and we offer it unto you as a sacrifice, God, saying, yes, I will do it. It is the sweetest incense to God as a worship offering. Can we just tell him one more time? You're never gonna, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna, you're never gonna let me down. 
one last time. You're never going to let. You're never going to let. You're never going to let me down. Thank you, Lord God. You're, you're never going to let. You're never going to let me down. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity to worship. I pray for the word of God, Romans 12, that went forth, Lord God. It will not return void. I pray, God, that we would change our hearts. Lord God, as living sacrifices, we would change our minds to think of Jesus again, that we are most satisfied, Lord God, when you are most glorified in us, Lord God, that you are after our joy and your glory, God. And finally, Lord, as a body of Christ, like Jen said, when we are moved according to our purpose for you, Lord God, there is so much fullness and joy and mission and purpose in that. I pray we embrace it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you. Get to know each other. Thank you for coming. What a good day. God bless you guys.